They're about to move in. They roll sack. And they're off. As they move to the top of the stretch, it's a hit-moving finish! Welcome to In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at The Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn.com, the Pink Podcatcher app on your phone, or the Listen tab in the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. It's been almost a year. February 23rd, 2019 to be precise, since the Los Angeles Times published a story about a spate of equine fatalities at Santa Anita Racetrack. There were 18 at the time, that number grew to 41 by the Breeders' Cup, and the LA Times story basically rendered this a national story. Santa Anita's operators, the Strana Group, canceled racing for three weeks in order to come up with new reforms to enhance safety for horses and riders. The rate of fatality slowed, but they didn't stop. And that led California Governor Gavin Newsom to tell the New York Times in September that horse racing's time may be up. California U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, after Mongolian groom lost his life in the Breeders' Cup Classic, said that horse racing had failed a critical test and that they needed to seek out new reforms, though she didn't exactly call for the sport to be shut down. So where is the sport right now, one year after this became a national story? We'll begin our examination of that by visiting a veterinarian at Santa Anita who can see the future of horse safety very clearly, literally, and figuratively. Dr. Ryan Carpenter works at Santa Anita. His job is to find potential injuries in racehorses before they become problems. He now uses a revolutionary new tool to predict bone fractures, a standing pet scanner. So as you can see, the scanner's going. The horse is standing there nice and comfortably. He doesn't seem to be resenting anything. Um, And the information is being acquired and then transmitted to this computer over there. So they're monitoring the scan both in terms of are we getting the uptake that we need in order to have an accurate diagnosis? Is the scan going along properly? Is there any adjustments that need to be made? And how many of these machines are there? Uh, This is the first one for a standing horse unit um, in the United States. Um, So this was designed at the University of California, Davis, with Dr. Matthew Spiret. And so this was his idea that he took from the human sector, which has been using PET scans to determine cancer metastasis in people for a long time. Um, And he took that idea, made it into a standing unit, and then applied it to the horse. So... um, this is um, a PET scan of a fetlock, and it's cut in three different planes. So this first one is a side-to-side view. This one is a cutting top-to-bottom, and then this is a front-to-back view. And so what we can see is this focal area of uptake right here, um, which is corresponds to the back of the fetlock joint, so um, in the palmar region of the fetlock. Now, how does that compare with how good a PET scan looks? So a bone scan is going to be different. This is an example of of this horse's bone scan. And so what we can see is um, uptake in the back of the condyles here. Um, But you can see um, that the PET scan is a much more pinpoint specific location because 
um, we can do it in three dimensions. So if you're an owner or a trainer who doesn't have a grant and you need to get a PET scan done, how much would it cost? Um, it costs about um, $800 um, to do the PET scan. So and How does that compare to nuclear scintigraphy or radiograph? Yeah, so nuclear scintigraphy of a front end is going to probably run you at, at the Southern California Equine Foundation right around $1,100. And a set of radiographs for a fetlock will probably cost you about $300. The PET scan was brought to Santa Anita um, in mid-December, and um, we've done uh, probably over 30 PET scans um, since then. And so as we, um, like I said, refine our, um, our case selection, knowing the strengths and weaknesses, what horses fit, um, I think you'll see that number just continue to grow and grow and grow each month. We know how injuries occur. Um, We've seen it with Dr. Stover's work at UC Davis, uh, the pre-existing calluses that are seen on the sesamoid bone region. Um, but we just haven't had the best um, imaging modality to, to be able to pick them up. I think this is going to just change the way we approach those types of injuries in racehorses because we will now be able to um, identify some of these issues before they become fractures. In addition to the standing PET scan, a standing MRI has been rolled out at Santa Anita, all in the name of catching injuries before they happen. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back one year after the Santa Anita controversy, where exactly is racing, both in California and nationwide? Don't go away. Welcome back to the In the Gate podcast. I'm going to guess that in every major religion across the country, there is either a passage, a literature, a prayer that goes something like moving forward with hope, not fear. Will such a thing be possible for those in thoroughbred racing for whom this is their religion, their business, their lives? We have a lot to unpack. And to help us do that, we welcome in one of our original contributors here to Win the Gate. He's been with us off and on for this, our ninth year, Terry Terrell, who does handicapping here at Los Alamitos and has been writing about racing for, I don't even want to say. No, it's a long time years. since 64. It's so great to be with you. Thank now, you. you know, when you think about any business, you think about it in terms of two things, production and distribution. Those are the basis of, of any business. So let's take the safer model of horse racing as the business, so to speak. And let's talk about the product first. You know, the Stronach Group is the model. They have added layers of oversight, additional veterinary uh, eyes on all of these horses before they go out to race, before they go out for timed workouts. They've tightened the rules for the use of the whip, and they've also cut back on race days when the track seems to be taking on a lot of moisture. What effect has all of this had? Has it helped? Well, it's helped to get from A to B. A was where the bad point was, and B is where we're trying to get better. So you had to start somewhere and you had to do something because of the uh, publicity and the the, uh, the image that racing was getting from coast to coast, not just here in California. As you can tell by the uh, hay, and o hay and oats and water you know, routine, and now you have Chris McCarran going for the Horse, Horse Racing Integrity Act. He's going to speak before Congress. So you have a lot of movement from coast to coast, and it just seems like Santa Anita in California was, was the starting point. 
We've talked about, we've seen the PET scanner designed to catch injuries before they happen, giving clearer pictures. What have you heard from the horsemen about how effective they think it is? Well, I haven't really talked personally to the horsemen. I get uh, because I'm not out there in the mornings like I used to be, so I'm, I don't have the uh, the impetus from how they feel now. And from what I understand from who I've talked to and the people I've talked to is that they're all in favor of it. They want to see a clean sport. They want to see a sport without breakdowns. They want to see a sport that can be run over a fair surface for everybody. So try. They're trying to get to that point. So the horsemen are they're they're uh, they're a little hesitant for change, let me put it that way, because once they start doing something like the Lasix, the big big uh, controversy right now, they don't want to go back. It's like they can't train without Lasix. They never trained with it before, before it was legal, but now that it's legal, they can't train without it. Terry, you and I both remember, see the gray hair, we're old, that back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, the, the Santa Anita Derby used to be run two weeks after the Kentucky Derby. And Shug McGahee, the trainer, would never have even considered not entering easy goal in the Belmont Stakes after he didn't win the first two legs. Of course, that Preakness was one of the great races ever run. Now these horses go into the Kentucky Derby on five weeks rest, six weeks rest. What about the fragility of the breed? How much does that factor into what's happened here this last year? That's a big, that's a big uh, d- debate. You know, we could have that discussion. It could go on and on. I do personally. I think that there's been entirely too much inbreeding. And they, and I think that uh, when they get us and in California or in the United States, it's more for speed. So we're breeding for speed. We're not speeding for uh, training for endurance. We're breeding for endurance. So when you breed for speed and uh, you try to get endurance, it just doesn't work. So you're asking horses to do something that they, you know, they can't do, and you're just say, hey, well, go back two families, three families. I think I read a stat that Northern Dancer was in three quarters of it's in some either either the the father or the mother is in uh, 75% of the horses. So you've got one main foundation sire, Northern Dancer, that everybody's, you know, keen on. We've talked about the product, so to speak. Then there's also the distribution part of it, the managing the message. Last year at the Jockey Club Roundtable Conference in Saratoga, a crisis management expert talked about five points that were necessary to manage the message. Mm -hmm. Ending it, in terms of the problem, engagement, transparency, taking responsibility, and meaningful actions. Right. Now, in terms of ending it, we, the sport hasn't ended it, but the numbers are down. Mm-hmm. Two deaths per thousand starts in 2009, 1.6 in 2018. That's a 20% or so drop. But media outlets like this one, ESPN, are still essentially on death watch waiting to report on the next fatality. So how is the sport doing in terms of these crisis management points? There's not a single voice. I think that's the biggest problem. There's not a single voice to put a message out there. You're getting a different message from every state, from every track. And I think that that's one of the problems that for the message is that it's it's not uniform. And I think that's what's really badly needed. I uh, really took to the the words that Seth Carmen said when he won uh, the award for bricks and mortar for the uh, Breeders' Cup for the Horse of the Year. And when he said the sport is not organized at a national level, level we lack uniform rules such as use of medication, use of whips. I could not agree more. I mean, that's I've been preaching that forever. We need we need one voice in the sport that can speak 
for you know for all the states. And you can't say Illinois will speak for Illinois, and uh, Arizona will speak for Arizona Turf Paradise, and Oaklawn Park, and let Florida speak for them. They've got to be on the same page when it comes to medication, which I think is one of the biggest changes that I've seen in my time in racing. I just reread the book My Turf, written by our late colleague, the prolific and poetic Bill Knack. He should rest in peace. There's an article in there from 1993 about a spate of equine fatalities in California, and one of the most widely quoted authorities in that article is Dr. Gregory Ferraro, who was a veterinarian who decried the use of medication, apparently suffered quite a bit both personally and professionally as a result of making those statements. We bring this up, of course, because Dr. Gregory Ferraro last year was named chairman of the California Horse Racing Board, a board that has seen quite a bit of overhaul of its personnel in the last year. What effect will those changes, those personnel changes, Dr. Ferraro in particular, have on the condition of the sport going forward here in California? Uh, positively, I hope. I mean, there's there's no way you can look out for four months, three months, six months, and say this is what Dr. Ferraro changes. These are what he he advocates, and this is gonna this is gonna you know reap the rewards. We'll have to wait and see on that. So, if I was a uh, if if I put a magic uh, wand and and did the karma thing like Johnny Carson, I would say that uh, he's got a good chance that he'll succeed because he has the welfare of the horse you know forefront of his. Uh, all his thoughts. We're obviously not going to reach zero in terms of no. fatalities, although Del Mar had none during their famed summer meet last year, but you were getting there. Put your crystal hot, crystal ball on. Where is this sport going to be a year from now in terms of both the product as we described it and managing the message, the distribution? Uh, if I had to guess, I would say you're going to see, because of the, uh, the product, is the horse's and we unfortunately don't have the horses out here sufficient to run the days that we used to. So I think you're going to see fewer days, more quality racing, and probably uh, I think it'll still go forward. But I think it's going to go forward with fewer racing days, and the product will be cut back, but the, the quality will be increased. Terry, we have to do this more often. This is so much fun. I could do this all day long. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Omaha Beach was the morning line favorite for the Pegasus World Cup. His swan song, a chance to go out on top. He hadn't run since finishing second in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, where he hadn't shown his typical closing pop. But just before the Pegasus, a routine x-ray showed the beginning of a potentially fractured bone. Rick Porter, Omaha Beach's owner, immediately scratched him, his chance for immortality surely blown. Would x-rays have been taken on a horse so close to race day before the problems of last winter came? Heartbreaking for his connections, but a tragedy averted. Omaha Beach walked out, and no one was passing blame. Only time will tell if this becomes standard procedure. The added caution to protect these prime athletes. The hope, with added layers of scrutiny, is that racing stories will be focused on the victories and bad beats. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn.com, the Pink Podcatcher app on your phone, or the Listen tab in the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps our viability. It helps our visibility. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.